The following episode has a couple swear words in it. Viewer discretion is advised. Uh, though that is that is lemongrass. Don't mm. eat the lemongrass. Right. <laughs> Those are big chunks. This thing could be your food. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good night. Good day. Goodness, how you doing? Hey, I'm Nathan Palin. Welcome to another episode of This Band Could Be Your Food, recorded in Brooklyn, New York, from my bedroom. But I think the bedroom is an appropriate place to be recording this, because today's artist is Todd Rundgren. Did you know that Todd Rundgren used to record a lot of stuff at home? He's one of the first guys to do it. So, there you go. Me and Todd. It is what it is. One of the things I was really excited about with doing Todd Rundgren is he's a guy I don't really know a whole lot about, but he's done so much stuff. He was a producer primarily before really getting into being a songwriter, and he's produced Battle to Hell by Meatloaf, he's produced records by XTC, The New York Dolls, Bad Religion, he essentially created the band Sparks. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really astounding. Oh, the band? Did I mention he did a band album? Insane. So one of the things I learned about Todd Rundgren, Rundgren, one of the things I continue to learn is how to say his name correctly, Todd Rundgren. So um, among the things that I learned about Todd Rundgren, I, I figured I wanted to start at the beginning. So I go, you know, so I go to Wikipedia as you do when you want to know something about someone, and you, I was looking down and said, "Okay, Todd Rundgren's children. Okay, blah blah blah. This one, uh, Liv Tyler, blah blah. Liv Tyler? What are you talking about?" So I had to look that one up. Liv Tyler. Now, do you know who Liv Tyler's actual rock and roll father is? I'll give you a hint. He's an Aerosmith. She apparently was born as a love child, while Todd Rundgren's lady at the time was uh, apparently doing something else. And so when Liv was born, Todd, being the respectable fellow he is, he says, okay, this is going to be my daughter. So she is born Liv Rundgren. Liv Rundgren was her name. So there you go. And Liv apparently still to this day loves Todd Rundgren. You know, Todd has paid for her school. He essentially was the father figure in her life in a a very strange rock and roll life that she had to live. But so that's just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to get into it. And I brought in the guy to talk about Todd Rundgren with uh, the ex-drummer of my band, the Jupiter Deluxe, and also a New York mainstay drummer. He's the first guy I thought of when I thought of Todd Rundgren. When we were playing together, he's like, you know what you'd like? You'd like to listen to Todd Rundgren. Now you think I'm making up that voice. Tune in. You're going to hear it. So here we go. This is my conversation with Tommy DeVito talking about Todd Rundgren. Here we go. Save a little piece of the moment tomorrow. Tommy DeVito. How you doing, Tommy? I'm all right. How are you, man? I'm good. I brought you in uh, because... Uh, we decided last week to, to talk about Todd Rundgren, and um, I think you might be the only Todd Rundgren fan I know. <laughs> and, and it's not because, you know, like... It doesn't bode well for Todd. No diss on Todd Rundgren, but, you know, you're like the guy that uh, I know that I'm going to learn something from. Mm. And uh, there's a lot to get through when it, when we talk about Todd Rundgren. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned even what this podcast is, but... Um, 
It's called This Band Could Be Your Food. What we do is we take a band and then we try to figure out what food that band could possibly be. So we take it apart. We look at the different elements, like maybe where Todd is from, his musical influences, his output. And with, with Todd, it's, it's quite a mountain to climb. Todd's a, Todd's a heavy dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not a mountain. He's like a planet <laughs> onto himself. For really, sure. You know, it's, it's like a Todd universe. And his fans, you know, Todd is God was like the, you know, that was like hit the fans' mantra. Yeah. Todd is God, you know. <laughs> it's like, I can up. <laughs> I could I could see that about Todd. Um at this point, Tommy and I are discussing Todd Rundgren's career in great detail, including his first record runt, his producing of XTC's record Skylarking. We go into his major influence of Laura Nero, and that brings us to talking about the major seventh chord, and all this is going to be in the bonus episode, but for now, we have to get to the food. Game on. And then speaking of the Laura Nero connection, that's when he became a fan of the major seventh chord. Now, yeah. you probably don't know what the major, some of you know what a major seventh chord is, but it's a really bright, happy chord. It's just kind of like the epicenter of just this music has gone these places and now everything is good and there's a shine to it. Like you, you get to that chord and uh, Laura Nero used that a lot. And that's Todd started using that chord a lot too. And all like basically all of the songs that you remember him for in those early days, it's it's like a major seven chord that just gives him this this tinge of brightness. Right. So this was my inspiration for choosing the food hmm. for him. It's got to be bright. Hmm. Um, that's where I sort of went. Um, I know. What did you? I, I I mentioned this to you about about you know like how we're going to figure out what food Todd is and what what did you tell me? I, I I believe I said something like he's a he's a he's a buffet. Yeah. He and and the buffet goes from the trashiest self most self indulgent you know like steakum level you know <laughs> with a with craft American cheese melted on it to the greatest like you know most exquisite French meal Italian yeah. meal you've ever Super had. Super buttery. You know yeah like the but perfectly done by top notch chef like yes you know. And everything he does to me, he's he's at heart a composer, mm-hmm. and 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 then and simultaneously at heart a you know a producer like yeah. So he's he's it's interesting. It's almost like I mean, he's the cook and the chef, yeah. and he's the food, yeah. And then he's the dish that you serve it in the table you serve <laughs> it on. And yeah. if you stick around long enough, he's the guy who sits down and eats the food. Yeah, and that's and it's yeah. And everything he does, even when it's light, it's still pretty thick. Right. Yeah. And every even his dark stuff to me, again, and this is mostly up until early to mid-80s before we start to lose him, in my opinion. And then he Are comes- we talking like Utopia when we go dark? <coughs> Side note, just so you're not in the dark, Utopia is Todd Rundgren's band. After doing his solo stuff for a little while, he decided he wanted to start a band. So he has a band- and he has his own solo stuff. He's got two things happening at the same time as if he didn't have enough to do. Okay, back to the conversation. Well, there's this, there's like Black Mariah on Something Anything is like, you know, a fairly dark feeling song. Okay. And, I d- yet, I didn't... and yet you hear the joy in it. Sure. Like I Want You, She's So Heavy by the Beatles has a darkness to it, but 
you know, I, I feel joy in everything, every note the Beatles put on record. Yes. There's joy. And Rundgren has that and all that in, in those inspired years. Sure, yes. And I, I extend it to include the Nearly Human and the Second Wind Big Band Tour. Yeah. I didn't even know where to start. There's obviously no way where I'm going to like, in a week, get through the entire catalog of Todd Rundgren. So did you start with the Naz? I listened to the Naz. Holy smokes. Yeah. That's a great version of The Who. <laughs> the Naz. Well, at least like that first record. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's wild, right? Yeah, yeah it is. So it's, it's, you know, he's kind of taken from like the, the era of uh, like the British invasion blues mm. kind of thing. He actually, his first band was a blues band. That's who he like kind of got in because he knew how to play slide guitar. So he, he started doing blues. I mean, that didn't, that band didn't last very long because they wanted to get into drugs. And he's like, no way, man, I'm not into that. So he started his own band, which was the Naz. They were like a British invasion, um, like really kind of drum heavy, rhythm heavy, in your face. Yes, that's right. British Invasion. That's what I said. British Invasion. Carry on. He gets into Laura Nero, and then all of a sudden he t- starts doing, as I said, the major seventh chords, really like lighter, more piano-based. Torchy. It wasn't, yeah. So that 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 band just kind of wasn't the right fit for where mm. he was he was writing. Um, he becomes a producer. He, he produces the band's first record. Uh, mm. Not first record, no. Stage Fright. It was when the band was starting to really have some problems hmm. um, after their early successes. but So let's bring Todd in. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But anyways, behind every composition that Todd has done, and I would say behind a lot of the stuff he's produced, there is this shine, there is this thickness, there's this complexity. Um, and uh, now also when I chose this food, I also kept into mind that you have some dietary restrictions um, so I had to put a little twist on it and hopefully it's going to work out. Um, but I prepared today a tofu coconut curry, vegan style. So mm. there's no fish sauce in it. So we're going to try it. That is the food I think Todd Rundgren. Todd Rundgren is coconut curry. <laughs> so let's get into it. I love it. I love it. All right, so I think when you look at Todd, um, musically, you have to look at, like, there's the garage rock uh, aspect of mm-hmm. him, Who's That Man off of Runt. Yeah. You know. Which started um, all with Naz. Yeah, I mean, it Naz comes was, out of that. was garage rock band. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Raw, you know, raw energy, honesty, and, you know, I like the dopey lyrics in that song. You know, who's that man, who's that man, who told him he could hold your hand when I looked him in the eye, he ran. Who's that man? Okay. It just reminds me of early Beatles. All right. Um, yeah. So then- which, which he clearly has a knack for taking the Beatles sound Well, have if, you, if he needs it. Have you heard about the album Deface the Music? Yes. yes. Did you see the back of that album? No, I haven't seen the record, but I, to, f- in order for me to get a brief summary of, of Todd Rundgren, I had to find a documentary that is about four and a half hours long. Yeah. That's brief. <laughs> Yeah, and it, yeah, it just kind of touches a little bit on everything that he did. Yeah, um, but played a lot of the music. But yeah, there, there, he was just like, well, let's get back to my old days, and made a record that essentially was a, a like a copy of a Beatles record. Not a, not the whole thing, right? No, it's 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 <clears throat> it's absolutely 
every single song is either titled after or it's supposed to be the Ringo song. This is the Strawberry Fields Me I Am the Walrus. Yes. This is the, you know, uh, the, the mop top. Yeah. And they go through from the very beginning to the latest of the Beatles. Like Now, did they do it before or after the Rudels? Uh, after. After. I, I believe the... And I, I say Ruddles. I, I never Is heard, it Ruddles? I never heard Ruddles. But I, I'm sure. The I, Ruddles, I've only seen the spelling. The Ruddles, um, <laughs> that's Monty Python crew, and mm-hmm. Harrison actually produced them. And That's right. Just in case you're wondering who Harrison is, I'm sure you know. George Harrison is the guitar player of the Beatles. And yes, he had a big hand on helping Monty Python, England's drunk uncle of Saturday Night Live, in producing a recreation of the entire Beatles catalog done in a humorous manner. Anyways, carry on. So that's, I think, earlier 70s, but this is Mm mid-70s. And on the back, the four-piece Utopia band, which is like the mid to late 70s into the 80s Utopia, not like the original Utopia, which was almost like Frank Zappa meets like Carlos Santana. Some of it's really brilliant. It's mm-hmm. I, I, not Carlos in the Spanish way, but you, in the. But you like all that. For I love I love prog rock. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Give Give me a twenty three minute song and I'm in. Yeah. Um. On the back of the album, they're all standing in this big green grassy field, and so the front is defaced. The music and it's them in stone, mm-hmm. like like all breast carvings of them in stone, like Meet the Beatles <laughs> configuration, yeah. and on the back, outstanding in their field. <laughs> so Lundgren has a lot of humor oh, you know yes. Emperor he of does. the Highway okay. is on a solo record called The Tortured Artist Effect which gave us Bang the Drum All Day okay the song I played with Todd live you played that what so this is oh okay tell right, me so, your Todd story so this is simultaneously the greatest moment on stage ever and the worst humiliation second only to Mark Renzel turning around right before the Ringo drum solo on the Abbey Road tribute we did and looking at me like something was dramatically wrong. I get distracted for one second and screw up the most famous drum solo in the history of rock music. So second only to that was this experience. Okay. So we're watching, we're at the Todd show at the Ritz, mm-hmm. which is Webster Hall, Webster 11th, Hall now. Yep. 11th Street, 3rd yep. Avenue. And we were about three standing rows of people back from the stage, maybe, maybe, maybe eight maximum. Okay. And he starts to call people up on stage because he's going to do the, the audience participation portion of the show. Let's talk about this show. I sort of heard about this. He, he was always really into like an interactive experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was trying to do that with his audio. He he was like the first to put out a CD that was supposed to be an interactive CD that you, you at could the remix time it. was a CD. Yeah, like you yep. put it in and it would play a different every single time, which I think, you know, Brian Eno has like recently tried to redo that concept with something right. else, but obviously very different music, I think, but I'm sure like in the same plane. Um, but then he was going to have an interactive show where he was the only one up on stage and he had like a light system, right? Like if it was, I think if it was red, you're not allowed on. If it's, if, but if it's green, I you, you're that. allowed to come out, you're allowed to go back on the stage. Um, uh, but it was just him and like a bunch of instruments. And but, computers. Yeah. yeah. He, but he was inviting people from the audience to come up on stage and play with him. Right. Right. Which now, is really bold. This was before all that technology was around. So like this was more him plugging a videotape 
into a VCR looking machine on the stage. <laughs> All right. And then like video footage would back him up and he would either play piano or guitar. And he was alone, yeah. you know, a hundred percent. So he starts calling people up on stage and the stagehands are bringing out timbales and stuff like this. And you see them with like boxes of maracas and tambourines and stuff. So I'm like watching this. Everyone in front of us clears and all my buddies know, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Todd fan and like they're calling like people on stage to play percussion. Let's throw our drummer friend up there. Yep. So they literally grab me by my clothing, hoist me up in the air and throw me up on the stage. <laughs> and I literally almost smacked directly into Todd. So I'm like looking at, you know, he's a tall man. I'm yeah, not. Yeah. So I'm looking at his belt buckle. I'm like, hey, Todd. I look up at him. He shakes my hand, says yeah. hello, yeah. and kind of moves me to the side. Yeah. So now they, I'm standing right near the timbales because mm -hmm. I'm a drummer. Yeah. So I grab a pair of sticks. There's like four sticks in the bag. Mm -hmm. He grabs a pair of sticks and bang, the drum starts. So it's Todd in front of the timbales and me right to his right. Okay. Right? Yep. So he's singing the song, ever since I was a tiny boy, I don't need no candy, I don't need no tie. You know, kind of a fill. Yeah. On the timbali. Okay. So I'm like, boom, boom. And I'm hitting the fill every time. Yeah. So by the fourth time, he looks at me, gives me a thumbs up. Hey. And he's like, nice, you know. So he's singing, I'm playing. We got a thing going. He breaks a stick. Yeah. So now he gives me the hand them over yeah. sign with the hands. I'm supposed to give him my sticks. So I give him one stick. You have one, take one, yeah. I'll keep one. Yeah. So I'm still with one hand doing the ding, 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 you know? And it's, <laughs> it's, everything is great. I'm in heaven. My friends are losing their minds. Yeah. Like, it's me and Todd. Yeah. So it, Just the two of you on stage? No, the whole, the whole the stage, stage is, is full, full but it's Todd and me right yeah, next yeah, to him. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you think we're a friggin' team. I'm like the ventriloquist of Rungren <laughs> on percussion. So like, he then takes a solo and he really can't, play but he can play in rhythm and you know yeah. he you know he kind of bangs out a bunch of shit hands me the sticks and like basically like clears the way and says they're yours like yeah. take over okay wow the audience and i go uh, 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 like i i freeze, freeze. and i'm like uh, what yeah. you know like are uh -huh. you kidding me and this guy next to me just grabs the sticks from todd and just starts acting literally like an ape. <laughs> and I just stood there and looked at him like, I will regret this moment for the rest of my life. And there is no point that I tell this story where I'm like, and then I just stood there and watched this guy, you know. Yeah. Make, a, make a mockery of yeah. percussion. But I did get to play with Todd. That's cool. And that was awesome. That guy. You know what that guy reminds me of? Uh, I'm a musician. I frequently am... Approached by drunk women when we're playing a show, they'll come up to me like they'll be like, "I want to sing a song," and then I say, well, "What song do you want to sing? What song? What's your what's your favorite song?" She's like, "I can sing anything," and that is code for "I can I sing, sing nothing." nothing. <laughs> I know zero <laughs> lyrics. Audience participation is risky. It is very. That's but, why I was so surprised. But I imagine Todd has the attitude to like, you know, kick somebody off in the heat of the moment, and be like, "All right, sir, you are done." But yeah. it doesn't sound like even in this moment he did. He's no, like, he didn't. He let right. the guy play, you know, for a couple of minutes. And then 
I, I don't know if he grabbed the sticks back and he ended it, whatever. At that point, I was so despondent. Yeah. <laughs> I was so like out of my mind. I felt like humiliated because I choked. Yeah. That's what it equated in my head. And it was more like the reluctance of like, should I take center stage at mm-hmm. a Todd Rundgren show? And yeah. like the me today would have. Of course. And like, who knows? Like, you know, I, I always think like, maybe like he would have said, hey man, that was really great. Like, give me your number. Like he wouldn't have, but like, of course that's in my head. Like I blew any opportunity I would have had. I imagine a lot of Todd Rundgren fans are also musicians. He's kind of a musician's producer's He's a geek. Artist. He's a super geek. geek. Listen to his lyrics. They're so geeky. And like his delivery. A wizard, a true geek. Yeah. But the wizard, the wizard, okay, so- if you don't know Todd, go check out that record because he started a revolution of like of uh, basement uh, basement recordings. People that were making their own music at home, like he was, you know, like the vibe that you got from that was that's what he was doing. And like car seat headrest, those early records clearly like influenced by Todd Rundgren, and so many other things. Like to this day, like that 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 album, I think was I heard was a big influence on Prince. That's mm. like one of Prince's favorite records. Really? It was another yeah, which is another guy that like plays everything, writes everything. Does he doesn't need anybody, he just needs somebody to come in and press record. Right. And he's got it from there. Oh my god. So yeah, he's another monster. Yeah. You know, um, as we're talking about a wizard of true star, I'm thinking of the song uh Sometimes I Don't Know How to Feel, mm. which is kind of like a um like a seventies soul. Like, you know, he's got a lot of R&B and soul and his singing yeah, because he's from all kinds of melisma. He's, because he's from the Philadelphia area. Right. And that's what was going on at that time. You can hear it in Hall & Oates, who he ended up actually producing their third record. But it was that, and I always said, Hall stole Rundgren's style of singing. Yeah, you think it's so? the other way around. Rundgren oh. then became the blue-eyed soul guy. Like, when you listen to him do that kind of stuff, he's like, you know... Like he does runs as good as Stevie Wonder, you know, yeah. in in that way, and he credits working with Daryl Hall. Wow, I had no idea. But they, I mean, obviously they have a history together because they talk. They were listening to the same radio stations at that time. Yeah. Um, listening, both out of Philly, right? Like, both out yeah. of Philly. Yeah, yeah. As uh, <laughs> as Rundgren's father called it, jungle music, which was not allowed to be played in the Rundgren household. Mm. So that's another interesting thing about Rundgren is rock and roll was not allowed in his house. His father was really more into um, like show tunes and, mm-hmm. and things and, and, and like classical music. Right. So Rundgren kind of grew up with that. I'm going to go ahead and say nerdy background. Mm. So when he, you know, when he came to rock and roll, I mean, obviously he was after the Beatles. He had the same light bulb moment. It just went off, and like everybody realized, this is what's happening now. Right. Is rock is this type of rock and roll? Uh, it was the first time that the band uh, was. Four people, it, it wasn't a singer and then a bunch of other guys back in the singer. It was like everybody sang a song, everybody was writing songs. It was a group, and which just changed everything. They were writing their own music. Before that, it was all more assembly line, which is kind of what it's turning into more today with right, pop right. music. But you know, in those days, they just sort of just changed the whole map. And I mean, we're still living in the shadows of what the Beatles did. You, you know, we don't even have to acknowledge it's, it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, before we get too off track, I, I'm I'm hungry. You hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. All right, let's go eat some coconut curry. Let's go.
All right. Here we are. This is our, this is my coconut, vegan coconut curry. Now, I've never made a vegan coconut curry. Well, can't say that anymore. No, nah, can't say that anymore. I, well, you taste it and you tell me if it is a coconut curry. <laughs> um, the, the problem is, is the, the main, one of the big components of a coconut curry. Yeah, let me get my microphone. The big co components is to have the curry paste. Mm. Now, the curry paste is made with ground galunga, which is a Thai ginger. It has a different sort of flavor than your regular ginger, and I think it's very unique and very important. Mm. Uh, lime leaves and lemongrass. Mm. You're supposed to pulverize those so that they're in a paste. Add some coriander, add some cumin, a little salt, a little pepper, and then traditionally fish sauce. The fish sauce provides the umami flavor, so that gives it sort of its um, its base. It occurs to me that you might not know what umami flavor is. Umami flavor is considered the fifth flavor after sweet, sour, salty, and bitter. Umami translates as pleasant, savory taste. It's very prominent in Asian foods, and it's clearly a big component in this dish as well. They say it's similar to like Parmesan cheese or seaweed, miso, mushroom. It's really deep and savory, so anyways. Back to the show. So that is the the trickiest part when you're making a vegan um, mm. curry, which it, it's not difficult because that's you can replace that. I did in this dish. I just put more soy sauce, mm. which is salty. It's got a umami flavor, uh, and then I just put some standard vegetable base. Mm. You know, like a vegetable cumin, not whatever. Uh, what do you call it? I use uh, it's called better than bouillon. So it's not a bouillon cube. It, mm. it comes in like more of a gel, um, but you know, whenever, if, if something needs more flavor, you sort of put that in it. Right. Um, and I, I, I need to upgrade my, um, my chopping system. Like I've got, I've got this little blender that I used when I want to make like a pesto or something like that. And it just stinks. I just need something new. <laughs> so the pieces don't get small. Cause I think what really needs to happen is that it needs to integrate inside of the coconut milk. Right. Um, so anyways, traditionally how you would make this is you would use that paste, which you can buy at any store, and you could probably get a vegan paste as well. Um, you start with um, you, you start by getting a, a diced onion. Uh, you start to sweat that with a little bit of oil, and then you put you put that that paste inside of it and cook that for a little bit, maybe like five ten minutes before you actually put the coconut milk in. Mm. Um, that's supposed that's supposed to cook, and you're supposed to smell the aroma of that. You put in the coconut milk. Um, but also, if you've got a, a stronger vegetable, like a, a heartier, like a carrot or a, or a cauliflower, which this both has. It's got cauliflower and carrot. You can kind of put those in a little bit after you put in your onions. Like everything sort right. of goes into an order. Right. Onions are first. Then like your root vegetables are going after that. Once those get going, then you can then you put in the coconut milk. You start stirring it. You add like a sweetener. Traditionally, it's like a brown sugar. I, whenever I have the opportunity, I put a little maple syrup in. Like that's my like go-to healthy, because there's so many good things inside of maple syrup and it's delicious. So yep. put a little bit of that in there. That's when you would put in your fish sauce traditionally, mm. um, but we didn't put the fish sauce in. We put in, uh, as I said, soy sauce, uh, vegetable base, 
And then more vegetables. I had a lot of mushrooms, so I put a ton of mushrooms. I think mushrooms are great in this because it soaks up all that flavor. I put in um, some mixed peppers, some some red, some orange for that color. Um, After that cooks for a little while, when you're getting towards the end, that's when you can put in zucchini. Zucchini takes about 10 minutes, so you don't want to get them in too long. Um, And um, voila, when you get done, squeeze some limes in there, cut up some coriander. That's going to give you your Todd Rundgren brightness. Is that Um, this? that That is lemongrass. Don't mm. eat the lemongrass. Right. <laughs> Those are big chunks. Um, and uh, yeah, th- th- these always have like parts that you don't want to eat. Like when you're going through Todd Grun- Rundgren's catalog, you, there's some, some songs and portions yeah. that you just want to kind of avoid where yep. he's kind of, you know, off in his own world. Um, so don't eat the lemongrass. Don't eat the lime leaves. Um, the galunga you can eat, you know, if you like a big hunky chunk of, of uh, ginger, that's great. Mm. But galunga, you can I can only you can only find it at like a Thai a dedicated Thai food store. Oh, really? Obviously, in New York City, you can. That's where you're going to find just about everything you want to. So I picked up most of this stuff down in Chinatown last weekend when we were going for dim sum, our first dim sum since the uh, the end of the the end of the the moment in time that we went through. Yeah, that uh, we're all going to look back and laugh someday. <laughs> so. Yeah. So so what do you so I oh yeah, one other ingredient I put in this I put in peanut butter. Really? Yeah. And initially when I was tasting it, the the peanut was much more present, mm. but as I added more and more vegetables, the mushrooms kind of took over. Um, this thing taste the the sauce I thought tasted better, and I cooked it yesterday. Um, but the best thing that you can do with a curry is make it yesterday, because the longer that these aromatic things can sit in the coconut the better it's going to taste it always tastes better the next day it's like lasagna mm. or like you know yep i i would argue pizza but <laughs> but you know like a red sauce for certain like yep. if you're going to make a good red sauce it's going to be better the next day so yeah it's always less acidic the next day too when it sits mm. you know yeah. the long that's why they if you're going to a traditional and i can't speak from italian real italian but new york italian the sauce is cooking from early in the morning, seven, eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then you fry your meatballs and then the meatballs go in the sauce. If you only put meatballs in the sauce, others put pork and uh, other beef. I got to tell you a secret in Italy, no one's putting meatballs in the sauce. Yeah. Right. And there's no <laughs> such thing as spaghetti and meatballs as a nope. dish there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it came to co- coconut curry, I, I was like, I can't think of another artist that coconut would curry would be. Cause there's another, there's another connection. Um, he lives in Hawaii. Yes, he does. Yes. Yeah. So you got your coconuts, your <laughs> which brings it to the uh, the current day. Yeah. Current day Todd Rundgren. Yeah. But it's a bit spicy. Sorry if I'm. I love the clearing spice. my nose. Yeah, me too. I love it. Yeah, me too. Well, I added some of that. Yeah, that that that's it's the chili garlic sauce. It, it's mm. it, I think it's it's a relative of the rooster sauce. But it doesn't come in a spray bottle because it has right. the chunks of garlic into it. So you've got to put it, you got to spoon it on. Mm. But for me, when I'm doing a Thai dish, like I think that is the best hot sauce that you can put in it because it's all about aromatics mm. when you're coming with that. So everything you're putting in there is like, you got to smell that flavor. Like that's right. that's got to so- somehow like translate and get into the, the whole essence of what the food is. Right. Yeah. So, so I had a client years ago who... Um, when he was a young man, had a tumor in his brain, 
and they had to operate to remove the tumor. And it was a benign tumor, but it was growing and causing pressure, and it was a problem. Oh, wow. So when they went in, I forget exactly how they went. Oh, they went in at the hairline. Um, <clears throat> they had to sever the olfactory nerve in like connecting to the brain in order to remove the tumor. There was no way around it. So right. he loses his sense of smell. Oh, man. So the only thing he can sense in food with his taste is salt, sugar, or like hot pepper. Yeah. He, can, he notices the, the burn. He can taste the salt. He can taste the sugar. Every single other seasoning is aromatic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he can't taste any of them. Wow. Without the sense of smell, there is zero taste. So he was like, how, how are you going to make that dish tasteful for me? Yeah. I'm like, uh, not. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. You know. I'll show you where the the salt and the sugar jar is. You know. Yeah. 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 You know the best the best food I think in the world is Thai food. I we, might I might have to agree with you. Yeah. I, I'm a Thai lover. <laughs> Some of the we uh, over the uh, the COVID holiday. We uh, spent 10 months, as I said, in Italy. In the beginning of that time, it was uh, July, and the United States was starting to reach their new, their new peak, whereas over in Europe, everything was going down, and they were starting to open things up. You could go travel some places. So we ended up going to Austria, and I had, in Austria, uh, the best Thai food I've ever had, or mm. like the closest to traditional street Thai food. Mm. Uh, and I, it, it, it's too bad that you can't get it as good as they get it over there. Yeah. Um, I mean, any opportunity that I would have to get a pad thai at like the whatever, the little the little stand right next to, just on the corner, you know, mm -hmm. they would just have them all over the place. In a place you'd go, there's no way that they're serving quality food here. But for a buck and a quarter, you would get a bowl of like just the tastiest food you've wow. ever had. Wow. So great. We didn't even touch on. We didn't touch on Utopia. Let's 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 talk about Utopia quick. Okay. What do you think of Utopia? All I can remember is that video clip where he's standing on top of that that dumb pyramid. Oh my god! Where he climbs up, he's like, yeah, "I played the guitar on the pyramid," and I'm like, "All right, I'm done with you, that's, Todd." That's Sing Ring <laughs> and the glass guitar, and that's his prog record. The record is called Ra. Yeah. Live when he would do that, he had a thing rigged up with cables where he would come tumbling down that pyramid while playing the guitar Jeez. so it, it was a show it was a big yeah. show i didn't see that show okay but utopia starts out as a bigger band kind of like a prog zappa kind of thing like more like an almost like a rock orchestra sure you know i mean keyboards drums guitar percussion yeah you know and but then, it was a bigger and, band and then don't they all quit on him I think they quit on him, or he he fires a, a, a couple of people, I think. You know, he didn't get along with, with everyone. No. But then when he moves into the four-piece, he keeps, he had uh, John Willie, well, John Willie Wilcox, the drummer for Utopia, the four-piece Utopia, okay. was one of the drummers in the old Utopia, I believe, and Roger Powell as well was there early on. He was in the old Utopia. Okay. But then he brings on Chasm Sultan on bass. That's the young guy. Yeah, well, he's yeah, he's the younger maybe in the in the group, but he was like 
you know, local Staten Island guy who yeah. suddenly is in Todd Rundgren's band. But it, one thing you don't know about Rundgren, I mean, you know Rundgren produced the Meatloaf record. Yes. All of Utopia is the backing band. And they all took- Nuh-uh, because, because Max Weinberg plays on it. Yeah, Max Weinberg plays on a song or two. But no, the, really? Yeah, no, yeah, the main the drummer record. is John Willie Wilcox. I'm almost positive. Let's look it up. Um, okay, let's <laughs> keep, do that. You keep talking. Also, um, the thing about uh, that record is all the musicians apparently opted for the payoff. Like, give us the big chunk of money because who the who the hell is Meatloaf? Like, and what's this going to do? You know, the record still is one of the biggest selling records, yeah. and they didn't take the royalties. <sighs> Well, somebody got paid a lot, and his name is Todd Rundgren. He got paid more than everybody else. Well, yeah. Yeah. But Meatloaf wanted Rundgren. He wouldn't do Did the he? record. Yeah, he, he insisted that Todd be a part of it. He's a, he's a Woodstock guy, Meatloaf. Okay. Well, at least that's where they met. Max Weinberg, you are right. He only played, Max only plays drums on Bad Out of Hell itself, number one, two, and six. So you took the words right out of my mouth and Paradise by the Dashboard Light. He so does they hit. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Um, other than that, Johnny Willie Wilcox also only plays on three tracks, which are All Rived Up and No Place to Go. Great song. Yeah. Two out of three ain't bad. Uh huh. Wait, wait. Yes, correct. And for crying out loud. Yes. So at this point, Tommy and I are yammering on on who plays what on Bad Out of Hell, and then we eventually start talking about Utopia again, and that may or may not be interesting, depending if you're into prog rock or not. And so let's go back to the conversation where I think it's more fun for everybody. It's it's an instrumental record. There are some vocals, but it's it's just like why'd you guys why'd you spend all this time on this record? I don't get it. Because Todd doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't give two hoots. That's the thing. He made all of his money as a producer. So when he decided to start doing his own music, he's like, do, I don't care. Do what I want. Right. Yeah. But so, you know what? I, I, I don't think that he's really true to himself genuinely because I'll tell you why, because you're like, I don't care. But if he really doesn't care, then like why, why is he, do it at all? Why do it at all? Why get up in front of people? Well, and then why why like he, he he would go off and do some other like tangents, utopia. He would go out and and like he would get less um, popular by like the standards. Like he was selling less records, and you know like he would come back and 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 go back true to form. Yeah, you know, like the the record before healing. I think he was like I mean it's gonna be stripped down. Me just playing the piano again. Just really like return well, back to like his roots of of like what he was trying to do. And say what you want, but clearly he was trying to like gain back, you know, the the audience that he had had at a certain point because I think fame might be a little bit addictive. I think I, I don't know if it's fame for him as much as it's you know maybe just you know I think I think he is an artist, right? He you know absolutely and, and I. The not caring is not caring what critics have to say and not being a slave to record sales. So having the artistic freedom to express himself however he chooses, I would think would be more his context to what he's doing rather than I need to get the audience back. Or maybe sure. like doing shows and people not showing up in large numbers got him to switch. They had like a minor hit with, when, with the bass player singing a song. Like they made a they made a video because one of the other like many tangents that Todd Rundgren went off after he got his bad out of hell check production. Yeah. big video production and, and that was like nineteen eighty what now 
It was it was before MTV. Yeah, it was just pre-MTV. He was one of the first videos aired on MTV. He was. It was a Utopia video called Feet Don't Fail Me Now. Yeah. Actually, Tommy, I'm sorry. I had to look that up just to make sure. It wasn't a Utopia song that was one of the first MTV videos. It was actually a Todd Rundgren solo release called Time Heals. It was the eighth video ever played on MTV. How about that? Carry on. Yeah. What was the first video ever played on MTV? Video, Kill the Come Radio on. Star. What's the second one? That. The second one? Hmm. Um, Close to the Edge by Yes? <laughs> you I'm wish. It was, it was Pat Benatar. Heartbreaker? No. One of her lesser known hits. I oh, wait. By then she was doing, she was probably doing um, uh, the one that they, uh, um, Love is a Battlefield or something like that. Wasn't even that. No. No, that was when she did later when MTV really started taking off. Hmm. I don't know what song it is, but whatever. It was a Pat Benatar song. Yeah, so, interesting. So. That's a good one to know. What was the second? It's like with Todd Rundgren, you're just kind of like, if you like just put it on random, you don't know what you're going to get. I put it on shuffle and I went from Who's That Man, that real garage thing, uh-huh. to like one of the really polished triple digital live recordings. Like, like he didn't record it multi-track, he recorded it to stereo digital. That's how good the freaking band was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's mixed. What do you mean? I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like when they did the performance, the song was mixed. Yeah. So that's crazy. But like going from the, the super garagey, yeah, rough side of Rungren to that. Yeah. Or like- Or to like the little rap things he was doing. Oh, yeah. Which- well, that's the later- I hate that. Yeah, that's the later <laughs> stuff. There's a point you know, where like I singers just- singers should not rap. That is, this, this is what I was thinking. I think that- Did you ever hear Sheryl Crow rap? Do I need the to? The Na Na song? If you're discounting Sheryl Crow, just buy the sec. just download that second record. I'm not dis- Okay, I'm just not Just download the second her. record. The woman is insane. All right. Insane. Listen to- um, uh, We're talking about Ordinary Morning. Say again? We're talking about rapping here. We are talking about rapping. She does a rap in the Na Na song, That's Worthy. Okay. Because she does it in a singy, almost beatly way. Yeah. But that's what I'm talking about. Like whenever a singer tries to rap, like they're they have too much musical knowledge behind them that they don't pull it off. Like the real rapper has to not know how to sing. Like they are reaching for parts of their voice that they otherwise wouldn't be able to reach because they don't know how to do it. It's kind of like garage it's a, rock. It's a different it's why, expression. Yeah. It's why garage rock is good. Right. It's got to be played by people that don't exactly know what they're doing. Right. Like they just pick this thing up and, oh my God, I played a chord. This is so exciting. Wait to hear this chord I learned. As opposed to Steely Dan trying to do a garage rock song. Exactly. It it's just like, ex- dude, yeah. you're kidding me, right? <laughs> yeah. Quit, yeah. Quit Yeah, patronizing everybody. Yeah, here. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That's my thought. That's why the Beastie Boys are so good. They were like trying to do punk and they're like, yeah, we can't sing. So how about rap? We used to rehearse show. in the studio where they were next door, and we would we just thought they were the, the worst. But their <laughs> rap is brilliant. Yeah, and it's funny. Like they, my brother would always be like, "Listen to this, listen to this," because he was from a younger generation. And and the Beastie Boys, I found funny enough that I could enjoy them and listen to them. But I never got rap. Hmm. I mean, I was in the clubs, like you know, the dance clubs when they hmm. introduced Sugar Hill Gang. Okay. Like when that was first played. Yep, yep. And I'm like, when are they getting to the singing part? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Indeed. You know, and, and like, we didn't even talk about uh, like the, the relationship of Todd Rundgren to the Beatles, particularly John, John Lennon, Lennon, which is one of these tidbits, which I think is insane. Yeah. Um, Every so, time someone shares that story, I have to read it. It's so entertaining. Yeah, what like about John Lennon dying or about no. about the the two of them like having their their scoffs with each other 
Um, like, yeah, because Rundgren was being interviewed and he said some shitty things about the Beatles and particularly Lennon and yeah, his songwriting. Yeah, wrote a song, Rock and Roll Pussy, is, is thought to be about, about uh, John Lennon. Really? Yep. That's what it says on Wikipedia. I never heard that. Yeah. And that's on A Wizard of True Star, by the way. Yes, that's right. Lennon responds back with like an open letter. Dear Runt Todgren, and never says his name right. Yeah. And just destroys him while telling him, it's so sad because I like your music. Like I like, I like what I've heard. I thought you were onto something really good, you know, and like said a lot of really complimentary things about Rundgren and his music. <clears throat> but then like basically said, but because you're such a, you know, he used an expletive. Yeah. I uh I won't uh, you know, he he just I like basically he destroyed him, him. He called him Turd Rundgren. Turd, yeah, turd. <laughs> the, and, and I don't even know if he, uh, he, he the he funniest must... word in the American dictionary. Turd, you think? <laughs> so funny. I don't know if turd is the funniest. Well, word. I mean, when you call somebody turd. It's gotta have ickle in the word. Ickle. Pickle is funny. Yeah, pickle tickle is funny. Tickle is funny. Yes. That's from the Sunshine Boys. Is it? Uh, like they're trying to like is that an old thing yeah it's an old movie and, and it's like george burns and jack lemon and all the old-time actors and they're trying to bring none, none back of, their... none of those people are listening to podcasts no no one's catching the reference no huh? <laughs> yeah that's true dave foster will get the reference okay does he listen to podcasts yes okay all the time. yeah all right yeah. all right tommy we're, we're gonna good. call it, we're gonna call it here all right so Next week, we are going to do the police. The police is going to be a challenge. We're looking at a, it's a very pared-down dish. You've got uh, a couple of Englishmen. You've got an American. He's, he's an expat of, of like, it, it, like, Stuart Copeland can't even be considered an American. No. He's lived all over the world. Like, his father was CIA or some shit. Or? Yeah, his, his accent is American as he's, far as I'm concerned. American. He's American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Well. Well, born here, right? Was he? I don't know. But we'll, okay. We'll find out. So strip down like a simple dish. Yeah. Hmm, I think we don't I got know. it. We, yeah. I'm not going to say it. Don't though. say it. We'll see if you got it too, everybody. We're going to see you next week. Cook on and rock out. My name is Nathan Palin here with Tommy DeVito. And that's our show. We'll uh, see you guys again soon. See ya. There you go. That was my chat with Tommy DeVito all about Todd Rundgren. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, there was so much extra leftover material left on the cutting room bedroom floor. That's just going to have to resurface another time. I promise I'm going to be making some bonus episodes soon. Once I do that, I'll put that up on the website. The website, as of this recording, is still very much in the construction process. It's only episode four. Just bear with me. Now, the plan was for us to do an episode about the police next week, but we just got word that the great Dusty Hill bass player of ZZ Top died. So we're going to do an episode about ZZ Top. I'm bringing in my good friend Nate Hall from Wisconsin and one of the biggest music connoisseurs that I know. So him and I are really going to dive into ZZ Top's history and Dusty Hill and a lot of cool facts and, as you can imagine, some excellent food. So join us next week as we pick that apart and figure out where we're going to go. Thanks again, as always, for tuning in. Whatever format you're listening to, please rate the show, leave a comment, let other people know that this thing is happening because we're only in our infancy and things are just going to get bigger from here. There's a lot of bands to cover and we want as many people to be along for the ride. 
Until then, signing off, I'm Nathan Palin. Cook on and rock out. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. Yeah.